Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... Hi, thanks for tuning back in. This is Karen Rands, and I am here flying solo again today because I wanted to cover a topic. It sort of has come up a couple of times in meetings and sessions and things that I've had lately. And, you know, I, I have interviewed hundreds of entrepreneurs and investors over the years as part of the Compassionate Capitalist podcast. And so sometimes... You know, I can forget that because I've had a to- I haven't covered a topic in a while that maybe people aren't learning that or maybe they don't know. I just sort of assume that everybody's along this journey with me and getting the information that they need so they can create their own wealth through entrepreneurs as an in investing in entrepreneurs. And last week I rebooted an old topic. If you haven't listened to that, if you're just tuning in for the first time, please go back and listen to last week's segment. And, you know, we talked about in that one about the four things that an investor looks for. You know, how do you raise money as an entrepreneur? And what are the the things that an investor is looking for? And kind of what we do in a coaching program that um, we offer that teaches entrepreneurs how to raise capital. But what are these four universal truths, if you will, that... Uh, universal laws of business that decide whether an investor will invest or not and whether you get past that initial idea stage to the next stage. And through the course of that in a conversation I had, I realized I needed to spend a little more time on one of the one of the elements of that. It's kind of all tied in, but I wanted to provide some additional clarity. And my aha moment came when I was uh, speaking with this gentleman, Joe Beverly, who is going to be on our, the Compassionate Capitalist podcast next week. So tune in for that. So Joe is a successful entrepreneur who allocates a portion of his personal profits to invest in other entrepreneurs as an angel investor. And in a true form of Compassionate Capitalist, he has started an incubator that focuses on an inclusive environment for all founders. So tune in next week to hear more about that within that interview. But what I want to share with you right now is that when we were prepping for the show, Joe told me something that he teaches the entrepreneurs that go through his incubator, his structured cohort development program. And it was so spot on that I'm going to share it with you to make this point. He said, and I'm embellishing for the purposes of how I like to tell stories, right? So he'll he'll have a he might share it again next week. But uh, so we're conditioned people, you, me, you know, all of us that are that are highly successfully motivated and um, high achievers that we should get A's, right? And in grade school, high school, you know, college, A's are rewarded. You get to achieve greater things, get more recognition, get more accomplishments when you get an A. But as you know, 90% correct gets an A. But for, and for most of life, you know, that's good enough. But when it comes to business, particularly businesses that are seeking investment, 
90% is not good enough. 10% failing or getting it wrong is going to give the investor is, well, is, is not 10% failing or getting 10% wrong is not going to give the investor the confidence that you have what it takes to succeed. They're looking for a 98% or 100% score. Those are to these questions. The four universal laws or a due diligence checklist in my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing. For those that are watching, you can see it here on the poster behind me. And, and I always seem to have it by my side. My book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing. This is really geared towards investors that are getting started in investing. And what do they need to look at when it comes to investing and how do they mitigate their risk? And I have a checklist in there that is part of the resource portal that they can check off to find out if a company, you know, answers all the questions or checks all the boxes or gets a hundred percent, right? And I've even made this mistake in my investments. It's really, it's actually pretty easy to make this mistake. I've done it a couple of times. I'll tell you about that story in a minute here. But um, so, you know, because, right. I mean, it's, it, it's just what it's, it's the difference of when you invest on emotion versus investing on actual facts and events. And what we're going to talk about today, which is the authentic customer. So, you know, the authentic, who is that authentic customer and why do you care? So to recap last week, first question, why are you doing it? Why did you start your business? What is your inspiration? Are you making an impact solving a problem or just getting rich or all of the above? Okay. It, that may or may not have room in there for an investor. It may or may not have the characteristics of a big business that's going to scale and, and get a return on investment that investors are seeking. So you have to understand why you did it, why you're doing it. And then who will buy it and why? The authentic customer. Why are they going to buy your product? Okay, and, how, and we'll talk more about how you get there. What are you making? And is the demand, the desire in the market sufficient to make money at it? How are you going to make money? What will you what will you be able to sell it for that includes the profit? And do you even know how to calculate that? That's really important. And I and I have some real life examples of of how entrepreneurs will miss some of that sometimes. They'll they'll miss out on some of these things when they go to calculating their financials. And investors know this. They can tell like that. It's a red flag. And number four, finally, how are you going to get to market? How are you going to sell it? How are you going to make your customer aware of it and shift their behavior to buy from you versus however they're solving that problem now because in reality they are solving that problem in some way and they have no idea your product exists to solve their problem in a different way i used to joke about how um back in the day when sometimes you hear me talk about this sometimes on my shows when i first started working for ibm and we were first coming out with computers, right? Well, sure, there was competition in Dell and stuff like that, but IBM was IBM. And who was IBM really selling against? Yes, there was the Macintosh out there, but they didn't really consider themselves competition because the first, the first step in selling a computer 
was to get people to stop using their typewriters. Completely different. Ultimately, they got words on a paper or, you know, things that they wrote letters or, you know, you typed on them. But the, the value proposition was very different. The cost structure was very different. We had to come up with what our, who our authentic customer was. And you know who we sold to? We didn't sell to the boss. We sold to secretaries. That's who the authentic customer was. They were the ones that were dealing with all the fixes and changes and this kind of stuff. And if they could convince their bosses that it would make them more efficient and save the bosses money long term, then they could get them to buy a computer for them. Okay. So, you know, like I said, I've been doing podcasts now for over a decade. There are over 200 episodes out there for you, your listening audience to go out and listen to. And I realize nobody's going back and listening to something that was a hundred episodes ago. I do one every week, right? So, you know, that's why we're covering this topic again, because it became quite aware in my own rule working right now with customers, with my own customers and with companies I'm mentoring, that this is something that there that is still a struggle. It's still something that even though it's talked about a lot in every incubator and Atlanta's got 35 of them pretty much every incubator and books have been written on it and all that kind of stuff. Discovering who your customer is, your authentic customer is a is a challenge. And a lot of customers, I'm going to talk about why they don't do it, why entrepreneurs don't do it. So interviewing hundreds of entrepreneurs, investors, all influencers to the ecosystems of wealth creation from investing in entrepreneurism and, in, and innovation. You know, sometimes I forget that the that the general public, my listeners, don't already know this stuff that I take for granted. I've been so focused on amplifying my message about angel investing, right? Creating wealth through the diverse portfolio that includes stocks and real estate, of course, but more importantly, investment in entrepreneurs, compassionate capitalism, creating the compassionate capitalist movement, that's mine. Uh, I, I realized I needed to get back to some basics. So the concept of authentic customer, this is your target market or segment of your target market. You know, that is just really, it's, it, it, you have to get real clarity in there, right? So I'm mentoring this startup entrepreneur and she has this down cold because she started with a problem that she personally solved for a customer and then automated that realized she couldn't scale so she automated that process that she had with this customer and using smart algor algorithms she wouldn't go as far as to say it's artificial intelligence but you know computer programming a lot of times some of that stuff is just considered algorithms now but they're i mean artificial intelligence but really they're just a computer program um so she, so she, each step along the way, she has engaged and converted her customers. So she knew why they bought it, how much they would, they could be, that could be applied across a swath of similar customers. So she could identify her avatar, her, her segment for these unique sets of feature function benefits and pricing. And as I mentioned earlier, as I, I, as an investor have taken that for granted myself twice now. Um, 
for the love of the tech. I've invested in companies that I don't know if they'll ever really get off the ground right because I listened to them describe their customer and I believe that they knew who their customer is and why their customer would buy. But it was only through the eyes of other investors as I went with them to try to go raise additional funding that I realized we didn't really know who our authentic customer is and what was the true problem that they were solving that would make them want to buy. And, um, you know, the tech can be really solid. Oh, actually, I, I, and I learned that first lesson really hard way when I first left IBM to go work with this customer of mine at IBM that I fell in love with this tech because tech is still not out there in the marketplace. Okay, so I will get to one of the, the reasons why for that too in a minute. And when I do my three reasons why entrepreneurs don't get to why they don't figure out who their authentic customer is. But if you don't know who your authentic customer is and why they will buy, then you don't know how to craft a sales strategy that works. So it's all layered in and tied into this. So what is an authentic customer? It's the person that has to buy your product, not just would like to or wants to, but must buy it to solve the problem. And this is, um, and it's not, it's, it's the customer discovery process is done through questions, particularly when you don't have a product, but it's not like sometimes entrepreneurs will go and say, would you buy this? Well, if you're only asking the people that know you already, of course, they're going to say yes. You know, you're not actually getting cash from them. They're not going to try, they don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. And so knowing who your authentic customer is different than what you will mostly find when you search for the authentic customer, right? When you do a search on Google, authentic customer, most of the time, the, what you'll find on that Google search is talking about the um, customer service experience or the experience the customer has in buying product with you. And it is an authentic experience. And that goes to brand and um, the old do it, the old do what you say and say what you do. do. Do you follow through? Your brand is is quality. Do you have quality, right? Uh, when I was first with IBM, um, you know, when I went from grad school into IBM, the, the idea was nobody got fired if they bought IBM because IBM was really high quality and they backed it up. And then when I got in there and when IBM was just at the beginning of their troubles that they were having financially um, because they really didn't understand their customer and the need for PCs, uh, they, in that case, we came up with a product that was not right for the market. It, it missed its mark. And then we figured it out and came out with a second product, but we didn't give anybody credit, like within like months, but we didn't give anybody credit for buying the dog product so that they could trade in and get the good product. You know, we, we just said tough. And that was the beginning of the end, the baby blues of IBM, because, uh, um, we started to lose our authenticity. We started to lose the customer experience. And, you know, the area it became arrogance in IBM's world. And all these other competitors started eating our lunch. They started beating us here and beating us there and beating us on this thing and beating us on that thing. And so, you know, uh, the, um, uh, the, the, 
they so you know we started you know well the rest is history let me just say that right because we kind of lost sight of that so this process of customer discovery is not only for startups but for for companies that are getting ready to to scale because when it comes to the customer whether it's this product that you're currently coming out with and you're brand new or a follow-on product or another family of products you're coming out with and if you got, we're talking about how companies get stuck, but when you get stuck, there's only one way out of it, right? And um, it's who, what, why, and how with your authentic customer. And if you listen to my podcast last week, I illustrated my point by following with the, the universal laws with this visual or this story about how John or Mary, the entrepreneur goes poof up in smoke because they broke a universal law. They're standing across the street and you say, hey, Mary, all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. But the business success gods can be patient to a certain degree if they, you know, they are given enough time and entrepreneurs give enough time to figure things out. Problem is, what do you have? Money or time? A business can't go very long without money, either in their startup capital from their own savings or means or other people's money when they raise friends and family rounds, or even when they ra raise angel investor rounds until they get, they, they start making money or customers start buying products until they figure out who their authentic customer is and how they generate revenue. It, it takes time or money to get there. And which one do you have? If you run out of one before the other, you're out of business. And so that's the difference between the 90% grade and the 100% grade. Technically, both are A's, but one isn't as right. Well, right? One is 10% wrong. And that 10% wrong is what makes them fail. And there's a whole lot of things in business that don't have a margin of error like that, even at the 10%. And so, you know, you think about it. CBI, CBA, CB Insights, it's a, a, a data gatherer of all kinds of data, love their stuff. Their analysis of 101 startup postmortems, that 42% of the businesses fail due to no market need for their product. When I'm coaching companies on the very first thing they have to, and I talked about this in that last thing, the very first thing they have to, to figure out when they're starting up their business is, is it worth getting started? Is there enough of a business? Can you make enough money from it that it's worth even getting started with the pain, suffering, blood, sweat, and tears that it takes to get started with the business? And this is why so many investors are trying to figure this out before they make an investment. Do you, the entrepreneur, know how you're going to make money and therefore they make money? Are you going to take their money and make money with it? It is fundamental to knowing if you have a hope of efficiently getting to market. You know, that the efficiency of getting to market and getting to revenue. This means like, well, would it cost you 500000 to launch this business and get to revenue or a million or two million? It doesn't really matter what the number is. It's that it's the right number. And the only way you get to the right number is because you know who your customer is, why they're going to buy it. Are you going to make money at it? Right? You know, which is the problem you're solving, which was the first one. 
And all of that comes together with all about the, the customer and your marketplace. Okay, so let's say the number really is $2 million. Okay, and and from that, you're going to create a $100 million business. So, you know, the ROI is good. But if you only raise 500000 because you haven't solved those problems of what uh, or figured out what an authentic customer is and what is it going to take to get the market, how much money are you going to make, then you might need $2 million, but you only raise 500000 And if you think raising capital as a startup with a product that or that isn't yet in the marketplace is hard, it's even harder when you go back to investors or you go out to investors and say, oops, we didn't know who our customer was. We didn't know how we were going to make money, but we raised 500,000. We really needed 2 million. So will you give us a million and a half now? Oh, uh, because we, we blew that 500,000 figuring this stuff out. And we're so much smarter now. We're so much, we're, trust me on this. We're so much smarter that the 2 million that we're going to raise now we really, 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 really will get there. And it's 100% and not 90%. Uh, right? That's going to be really, that's going to be even a harder story to tell. And just on an aside, let me just say, we do have a solution for that because there's a lot of customers in there. Probably, I mean, a lot of companies in there. Probably, you think about all the companies that investors, angel investor groups have invested in. And if you use the whole adage, you know, we know where you've heard the one out of 10 companies VCs use this all the time. Two are going to go out of business. Two are going to just uh, break even. Three are going to make a pretty good chunk of change. Two are going to do really well. And one's going to do super duper duper good, the unicorn. And it's going to replace, make up for all those other investments that didn't do as great. You know, and the reality is, is that if, it, if like VCs and angel investors, they could figure out who all were the unicorns. They'd only invest in unicorns and they wouldn't invest in the other nine, but they don't know because this, it comes down to this and emotion. But out of that portfolio of 10, if you recall, there's like three or four in there that have potential to be much bigger and they are flat or they only scale a little bit because they need more money and nobody's willing to give them more money because they were too slow getting to where they needed to go or they missed their mark. And so then they finally figured out how to generate revenue, but they can't accelerate that, that capture of the market because they can't get enough money from a bank or a VC or a private equity fund or other angel investors. That's the problem that I solve now with my company and my peers and my partners that I didn't do back when I was first getting started. And we did, pitch events and I ran the angel investor. We did startups. We're dealing with companies now that are stuck and need to get past. And you can go to my website and learn all about that. KarenRance.co.co. Bounce around in there. Look at our testimonials. Look at our services. Look at the projects we've worked on. And then fill out the contact uh, form on the, on the page or at the bottom of the page. And then you'll get an email with the link to my appointment calendar for these kind of conversations. So that was my info Marshall, but you know, back to my scheduled programming now. So as an investor grades on how you address those four laws, do you know who your authentic customer is and how will they buy? Well, then customer discovery is just like scientific discovery. You have a theory you have a hypothesis and then you test and validate, you tweak and improve until you get it right. 
And hopefully you're doing that in this customer discovery phase when you're working on your, your minimal viable product. And don't go file for a patent until you know what that is. I worked with a customer, a company one time that had this patent. They've been awarded a patent and spent a bunch of friends and family money on getting that patent. And then they went to try to go to market and there was no humanly way possible they were going to be able to get to market and generate money with that patent. We looked at little pieces of parts here and there that they might be able to do and their, their bootstrap way that they were going to get money, their sort of skinny way they were going to get to market, that really was it. They did, All they really needed to do was just do that, and uh, which is what they're doing. And that money that they waste on that patent, they'll never generate a product off of that. It was a very complex patent. And yes, a lawyer will take your money and not about and go get a patent for you, whether it's really a viable product or not. That's not what a patent does. You build a company out of your validated customer, right? The lean startup, every, a lot of people have heard of that. The book, I talk about it in my book for from an investor perspective, but it's that process of discovery, validation, creation, repeat. Discovery, what is what is the problem that you're solving, your hypothesis validating that it solves the problem that the customer had creating that product that exactly maps that problem and solution and then repeating it until you really fine tune it or you bring other products out and you market it and whatnot hypothesis is the core business of assumption beliefs test and validate okay founders don't go through this process for one of three reasons the number one reason is arrogance. They know better than anyone else and they don't need any feedback. I know what people want. I know because I've been in this industry or they themselves experienced it. I had one company one time pitch me on idea of selling uh, wrappers to put gum in and keeping them at the table and the, and the, the, the restaurant was going to buy these wrappers so that people would just wrappers so that people would put their gum in it instead of sticking it on the plate. Well, he was probably a busboy that really hated having to get gum off of the plate, but there's not a value proposition in there because the problem being solved is not that big of a problem to the, to the restaurant owner. Okay. Just saying. All right. So arrogance is the number one reason and investors can spot that a mile away. I left IBM to go with this, to go work for this guy who had been my com my customer. And I knew he was tough. I knew he was arrogant, but I could always deal with him because I had something he wanted at IBM. So when I became part of that team to go get him money, now I learned this real fundamental lesson with, with investors because he had a technology that solved a problem that would that would save lives, literally save lives. But he had um, not really validated his customer th segment and how he was going to get to market. He just had an incredible solution. And when they wanted to, they believed he had a credible solution, but they also knew that he didn't know how to build a team and how to go to market. So they wanted to bring people in give him millions of dollars, but they're going to put people in, let him be the, the technology guy playing in the, you know, the 
sandbox of technology and have people that knew how to build a business come in. And he was like, no way, my way or the highway. I know how to, I know, I know, I know, I know. Still, I don't know if he's still living in his mom's basement or not. He might be staying with his kids, but that product has still not get, gotten to market. It crosses my airwaves all the time. And I'm still, you know, my daughter's already out of college. The money that I put into that, what I was supposed to be getting out of that was going to pay for her college. So he never really happened. Software product, mer merging all of this digital technology that would, um, it would separate parts of the image by density of matter. So it would know whether blood was a hemorrhage or a blockage before it gave a drug for a stroke or whether, you know, you could just like, like this, like instantly, almost through your phone now. Back then it took mainframes, but now it's like incredible product, incredible technology. Um, but who's, how are they going to buy it? Oh, uh, and I gave an example in last we, last week's segment about a, another technology. So there's lots of examples of this. So with time, you can figure that out, but will you have enough money? Second reason why founders don't go through this process, fear. They fear their hypothesis is wrong and they don't know what their alternative would be. It goes, it kind of goes to that, goes to the, the reason why the first universal they, they want to be a successful entrepreneur, but they don't really want to solve the problem that they think is a problem out there. They want their solution to solve the problem and be done with it. And then they can go on and do their next big thing and be, you know, on the cover of a magazine or something, right? But if they're really committed to solving the problem, they will continue to work at it till they find the right solution to the problem the way a scientist does, right? So their fear of not being right their fear of, of having to do that work that they put in and having to do it again. Their fear of, of, you know, of being wrong, okay? It's a little bit different than arrogance, but closely related. And the third reason is ignorance. They don't know there is a process or a reason to test and validate the idea before they get started. They don't know that they need to do that. They just, they just want to jump in you know, feet first and get going. And they're and, uh, and entrepreneurs, investors, a lot of times will make the mistake of investing in something like that because they see the problem. They go, oh my God, yes. I can't believe I didn't think about that, but they never really dig in, which is what I did, into whether that problem, that solution solves that problem and are the people willing to pay for it? Okay. So what are you going to do about it? Once you now that you know that you've got to test and validate your idea before you get started, what are you going to do about it? So one of the companies I've invested in had had it spot on for one of his segments. I mean, he, he could be very right because he's just offering a better widget for free. So it's easy to get a customer to convert when all they got to do is click to try it out. And if it's decent enough of an application, they'll stick around for a while to make money. If you make your assumptions really low, on that, you know, you can make money. So a hundred percent certain that the first piece will get there, get done with it. And we very well may need to just go and raise the capital for that piece of it and not do the rest. We're still working through that because whenever you have problems raising capital, you're, you've got a, something broken in your process. So he's a hundred convinced 
that he can upsell his versions and will have a similar reaction that they are all so hungry for this a, a different tool that they'll just start using this and they'll pay for it and so I did it at first because, you know, because I believed in too, because his technology was just so amazing. And the patents went back and superseded and other companies had paid him for the rights for his, his patents and the use of his patents because his patents were so profound. Okay. It's artificial intelligence and what it does, you know, um, I think, you know, there's probably people violating it that is going to end up having to pay him money later on. You know, the, the patent office went back. 12 years and grandfathered him in, superseding all kinds of other people. So that's pretty amazing, right? Which is one of the reasons why the company paid him the money I paid him. And so now that I know as much as I know about it, I know that it's much more complicated. And it kind of, it was this aha moment when we're dealing with one of these business plan competitions and the investor advisor mentors there, which is, I, I, I play that role all the time. And they asked him, what's your unique value proposition? Why do people want to buy this? And I thought, oh, I knew what that was. But he could not articulate it to save his soul, man. He could not articulate it. He just—he rambled on about this, that, or the other. And what is the problem? And I realized he doesn't really know the problem he's solving. And as a scientist, he's done it on a scientific. It met the requirements and validated that the algorithm worked and it did this. And there's been these other studies that showed this or that, but he's not actually talked to customers. And so I'm not, the cat's out of the bag on that. And he's going to have to figure out how to address that. And I think we might just put off having that conversation until he gets time and money to figure that stuff out. And we will figure it out because I do believe that, and I'm kind of committed, I gotta help him figure it out, but it's gonna take a, take. it's it's just complicated. Unfortunately, the capital strategy in the first product, they'll have enough cash on hand to buy the time that he needs to get that universal law worked out. Because if he doesn't, he ain't ever, he, he, he won't reach his full potential, okay? So if it's taking you a long time, if you're an entrepreneur to find the capital or the investors just don't seem to get your offering, your problem, it is because you have not successfully hypothesized the solution to the problem and iteratively figured it out. And if you can convince the, the, if you can convince the investors that the problem is real enough and with enough time and money, the opportunity is big enough to solve it, sometimes you know, the, they'll, they'll give you enough money to buy that because that's why you raise money in, in stages a lot of times. Um, but if the, and if the problem is being solved, but not as efficiently, so then more money needs to be used to try and buy the switch with the customers, right? Because customers, here's the thing about competition. The customers or people in the marketplace are doing it now. You know, before there was a hammer, they used a rock, right? So you had to convince them that it was better. Before there was a computer, they were using a typewriter. You have to convince them that it's better for them to go ahead and spend the money on this because they're going to be that much more efficient or have better satisfaction in solving their problem than what they do right now. Okay, so that's, that's part of the getting to market. And it's easy to lose sight of that um, if... If 
it's so it's easy to lose sight of the need to know your authentic customer if you've got really great tech, but it is fundamental and you need to understand this when it comes into the raising capital. So, you know, fingers crossed, even for me working with entrepreneurs and investors, I have lost sight of the authentic customer now and then. And it wasn't until this group of, of other mentors on and other investors you know, ask those questions that I realized the, what the problem was. So I, I stepped back because we, if you haven't heard of a business model canvas, go look it up because it is an exercise that takes you through the process of identifying your segment market, your authentic customer, how each of your product matches to that segment market. How are you going to sell each of your products or the product line? What's your pathway to that customer? Who are your partners? What are your critical factors in order to be able to get to that customer? To figure out who that authentic customer is. It breaks down on who, what, why, and how. And I had to step back and go back with this company that I had invested in and say, let's do this business. And, and the concepts behind it was a challenge for him. But he did, figure, you know, we did get it worked out. And so with time and money, because he sold one of his patents in order to get him the money because investors weren't giving him the money because he didn't know how to. And I, I was so in it. I was in the forest. I could not see the trees. It took somebody on the outside of the forest looking into that forest to say, hey, do you see those trees? And what trees are you looking for? And that's your authentic customer. You got to step back sometimes and figure it out and put on the customer hat and figure out where they are. And you do that really by asking these fundamental questions as to what is the problem that they have how are they solving it now? What are they paying to solve it now? What are they willing to pay to solve it in a different way? What are they willing to do? How many steps are they willing to go through to solve the problem? You know, if, if, if the only way to put your pants on was well, not one leg at a time, but you had to stand on your head and put your legs up into a contraption in order to have this machine pull them down on you, you might not, you might walk around without pants on. I mean, that's a really crazy illustration of that. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if that was the only way people could put their pants on before, and then somebody came up with a thing that you just grab hold of a boot, boot a, a belt loop and pulled them up, right? I mean, you think about, like the evolution of pants themselves. What, pilgrims had little buttons on the back where they dropped the bottom out versus zippers in the front? Somebody invented zippers? You know what I mean? There's been an evolution of everything that solved, it solved the problem better for what people wanted, but it was all a matter of what were they willing to pay for that evolution of that solution. And so you... Mr. Entrepreneur, need to figure out who your authentic customer is through customer discovery so that you can get to the four universal laws of success in a business and you can raise the capital that you need. And if you are stuck because you thought you did that and you raised some money and you had to use all that money just to get to your four universal laws, and now you've got other products you want to bring out and you don't have the money to bring them out, raising my hand here. 
please schedule a call with me so I can tell you how you can raise capital for that and how to solve that problem. And in the meantime, if you are a startup and you don't know this, go plug into an incubator near you or an accelerator and go through the process. If you want to participate in my coaching program to help you figure that out, that's great. Please do that. It'll cost you a lot more than an, than a, 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 an incubator and accelerator. Um, or if you think you're going to be really big and you don't want to give out 20% of your company to an incubator and accelerator, figure that out. Then I'll help you figure out how to pay for my coaching program. We have, I have a solution for that too. Um, and with that, I'm going to say onwards and upwards. Thank you so much for tuning into this, this episode of the compassionate capitalist show, and please share this with friends, please go and, uh, business colleagues, your investor, please go get my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, so you can learn not to make the mistakes that so many other investors make as they're learning out how to be an angel investor, just like me, and learn how to create wealth, give your money an upgrade by investing in entrepreneurs, grow our economy, bring innovation to the market, create jobs, and create wealth for all those in, around the Compassionate Capitalist Show little segment talking about my sponsors follows. Thank you very much. Onwards and upwards. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings, is a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.